If you could see what I once was, if you could go with me back to where I started from, then I know you would see a miracle. Proverbs chapter 14, this is my second part of biblical teaching on women. I went to a teacher's meeting on Monday after last time I was here on Sunday, and I asked him, what would you name that sermon I preached on Sunday night? And I think it was Amy said, I would name that biblical teaching on women. I thought that's sweet. I thought that was a great title. It was maybe better than the one I had. I had women, which woman are you? The two women of Proverbs chapter 14, verse 1. Every wise woman builds her house, but the foolish pluck it down with her hands. Last week, I dealt with the negative of that verse, which are the ladies that seem for some craziness to pull their house down with their hands. I wish I could tell you why a woman would pluck her own house down, and then another woman would build it up. I, I, I have seen both. I've seen both. You haven't lived very long. You haven't seen both. It just seems crazy. It's a mystery to me. I'll die with it. As I observe, marriages disintegrate on one hand and are built ever stronger on the other hand. I would just think it'd be more fun to have a good marriage. I just think it would be more fun. I mean, you only go through this thing one shot, right? I mean, you only get one shot in life. Why not make it the best you can? And so it would seem to me that you would want your spouse to be very happy that they married you, amen? So if they came to you and said, hey, I don't like this little idiosyncrasy you have, which, <laughs> get ready. But I listen, you, just give it up. Say, for you, honey, I'll sacrifice anything. I got to get my Kleenex out. I think I'm going to cry on that one. For you, honey, I'll sacrifice anything. I read an article about alpha women and beta women. Now, now you know, I, I realize that the world struggles in how they're trying to figure stuff out, but they do have some truth that they come across. Psychology, as our doctor knows, is just an observation of humans and an observation of the way people think. That's all that is. Now, just because they observe things and they name things, they love the, psychologists love to name stuff. You have manic depression. Well, whoopee. Or you have, yeah, I mean, they just name stuff, but they have no cure for it. They have no cure. You realize psychology's got no cure for anything. All they are is there are people that study human beings and how they, how they do, and then they name a bunch of stuff. And the only cure they have is blame your parents for everything's wrong with you. And that makes you feel better. And actually, you do leave their office saying, I feel better. I think I'm going back, paying another $110 an hour. I'll lay on a sofa, tell them about my, my, my childhood, and tell them, and they'll basically at the end of the thing say, well, you know, the trouble was Johnny down the street didn't treat you right, and your dad didn't take you when he said he was going to take you to play ball. He never did, and, 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 and they'll, they'll blame your parents for everything. I've heard it over and over and over. It's called circumstantial psychology, and it's a lie from hell. The Bible says you take responsibility for your actions. 
And even if you're raised in an abusive home, you don't have to be bitter. If you're raised in a horrible home, you don't have to be, be, come out of it as an angry, bitter, hateful person, which will just simply destroy everything you touch. We can go home right now. It said, alpha women don't know how to love a man without dominating him. Try to keep the amens for the end on this, will you? I don't want anybody shot right here. Our women do carry. Alpha women don't know how to love a man without dominating him, without demasculinating him, without taking him down, without degrading him, without deworthing him. As Christians, we believe in God's ability to change us fundamentally. I believe you can teach an alpha woman. That's a naturally aggressive woman. You can teach her her position and respect and teach her to submit under her man as the leader without doing all these bad things to him. Teach her how to have respect. The Bible says, I know you ladies are even to reverence your husbands. You say, well, he don't deserve no reverence. I don't see anywhere in the Bible that says that he should deserve it. It just says do it. You believe that God will give you something if you ask for it. I believe if you go to God and say, I don't really like this guy, I'm sorry I married him, but would you help me to love him? I believe God, at the end of that whole thing, you'll be madly in love with this guy, but you won't know why. Because it'll be supernatural. Now, the beta woman, that's your passive woman, often will de-energize a man. She won't demolish him. She'll just de-energize him. Her lack of contribution her lack of enthusiasm, her lack of participation in keeping the house and children, often just lazy as a dog, couch potato, and, and, and doesn't care what she looks like. I've heard, I've heard beta women tell me, well, he's got to love me for just who I am. Well, if he's blind, that's fine. I've had men come to me with their wedding picture. Now, you know where this is going, don't you? And they'll say, this woman is gone. I'll say, well, who is that that you're married to? Oh, it's her. The foolish woman will tear her house down with her hands. That was a little recap. But the wise woman... That's what we're going to talk about tonight. It'll build the house up. Oh, my. It'll build the house up. Make it better by the... Be a positive influence where she's at. Now, I hate to tell you this because the night is young, but I got 20 points here. Now, preacher, how do you do 20 points? How do you do it? How do you, how do you just do it? My wife says, break it up into three nights. I said, they will string me up. So I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to give you 20 points. I wish I could spend more time on each of them, but you don't want me to. Proverbs, I go to Proverbs 31 for the 20 points and, and, and beyond. I go to other places of Scripture. But the majority of these points come out of Proverbs 31. The virtuous woman, most of you know it. I'm going to tell you here tonight, my wife's a virtuous woman. 
I've compared her to these 20 points, and she's a virtuous woman. I'm one of the lucky, I, I say this is, a, this is a worldly statement, but I'm going to say it. I'm one of the luckiest men in the world. But I'm not lucky. It was the sovereignty and mercy of God. But if you would have known her when she was 16, you would have said, Bill, you're the luckiest man in the world because she was a wildcat. She was a Catholic, heathen, beer-drinking, dancing wildcat. And, and God saved that old girl. And nobody, my parents thought it was, it was, it was horrible. My, my dad said, she's not for you, not the one. He eventually changed his mind on that at 20, 20 years down the road. But no, he, he changed his mind on that early. But, I mean, I even wondered myself, but God grabbed home. It just shows what God can do if he grabs a hold of a person. Now, me, I'm just wonderful and congenial, easy to get along with, as I am today. No, I was horror. I was a horror. Young person, self-wills, self-consumed. But if you'll give your heart to Jesus and trust him, he can make anybody a good mate. That's where I believe anybody can be a good mate. There's no, I heard people tell me, well, I just ain't that way. That's because you're rebellious. If you give your heart to Jesus and say, make me the kind of man I'm supposed to be, make me the kind of woman I'm supposed to be, God will do it. I just believe in a supernatural, nothing impossible God. I get so tired of people saying to me, I can't, I can't. Well, in your own vision, and in your own experience, I understand you saying that. But is there not a God? I think, where is the Lord God of Elijah? Virtuous woman has characteristics about her that God has helped her with. She didn't, she's not natural. I don't believe there is any such thing as a naturally virtuous woman. Okay, let me, there's no natural good man or a godly man. It takes God to do it. And when you're willing to submit to God, he'll put these characteristics in you and cause them to abound. The virtuous woman, number one, above everything, verse 11 in chapter 31, if you want to know, the virtuous woman is valuable. She's above rubies in her value. Rubies, I believe, are more valuable than diamonds in some cases. Uh, I think Brother Henthorne, I think the way he thinks of Pat. Oh, valuable. And once you valuable to you, anything good happening in Brother Henthorne's life, he'll, he'll tell you, it's Pat, help me, Pat. That's what you want your man to talk to you. That's the way you want your men to say. Secondly, she's trustworthy. He can safely trust in her. Um, my wife is a banker. She's got skills in banking, and I've let her. Uh, pay our bills and deposit. I haven't seen one of my checks in 15 years. As far as I know, it's in the bank. How <laughs> I trust her. Everything I got, I trust her with. She's a, uh, thirdly, a virtuous woman, verse 13, is a team player. She's a team player. I talked a little bit about that two weeks ago, about the woman that tears her house down is not a team player. But boy, a virtuous woman is a team player. She wants to get in there and make it happen. Ooh, what a thrill it is. What a thrill it is to have a group of people want to make something happen. Amen? I love doing VBS, which now we're calling Vacation Bible Camp. 
uh, because all of you guys put your hands together with us, as a, and we all put our hands together with each other, and about 80, 90 of us just make that thing happen. And I mean, it's crazy, and it's wild. It all gets put up. It all gets torn down. Uh, you know, 500 kids come and hear the gospel, and the buses go out, and they come back in. It's a team effort for the glory of God. A virtuous woman is a team player. In verse 14, she's not afraid of hard labor. She's not afraid of manual labor. A virtuous woman, according to the Bible, will be willing to, to work hard be, be, and, and, and be participant in manual labor. I think far too long we've raised girls too daintily. Oh, that's good. That's good. I hope that's recorded. I, I think girls ought to have a sense of, of strength and beauty, not just beauty. Not just some obstacle to look at and is so tender. I think they ought to have a little toughness to them. They ought to be able to get greasy, sweaty. It bothers me when I hear of a girl, oh, I'm allergic to sweat. You wouldn't be if you were my daughter. I'd take you out and sweat that allergy right out of you. Amen. Maybe that's why I never had any girls. But anyway, <clears throat> number five, verse 15, she overcomes problems rather than complaining about them. How about start thinking as hard about the solution as you do complaining about it, amen? A, a virtuous woman's thinking about solutions. She's thinking about bridges, not walls. Are you with me? Her mind, it's a mindset. It's a set where how can we beat this thing? Not, man, I can't believe he did that. Okay, he did it. Now how are we going to beat it? How are we going to overcome this thing? How are we going to get creative? How is God going to come and do it? Remember, a problem is just an obstacle showing how great God is. Number six, verse 16 there, she's industrious. Man, she's industrious. She's an early riser. I used to see my little woman when I was first married, man. She'd get up early. She'd get things going. She'd get the kid out, get him ready, uh, uh, you know, uh, go to work, take the kid to school. In our case, go to work, and uh, we'd all work all day long, come back tired. She'd pick him up, bring him home, feed him. Spend two hours teaching him how to spell. My wife and I went to third, fourth, and fifth grade, sixth grade, all over again with Troy. We went, did all over again. And uh, I can't spell to this day. I still can't spell. And I've been to third, fourth, fifth, and sixth grade twice with him and me. So what I figured, I'm just simply retarded physically. That's right. I have certain retardation. I don't mind saying it. You try put me in a spelling bee against Mary. No even contest, amen. Spell C S E A. I'm telling you, I'm thank God for correcting correcting mechanisms. Uh, the seventh thing, she contributes to the financial well-being of her house. She considers the field, she buyeth it with her fruit of her hand, she planteth the vineyard. She contributes to the house. I hear so many women say, well, his job is to get the money and my job is to take care of the kids. You won't find that in the Bible. That ain't in the Bible. Your job is to make the house successful. And in some cases, that's helping financially. In some cases, that's doing what she did here. Uh, in Proverbs 31, 17, 
She endeavors to stay physically strong and healthy to better serve the house. She girds her loins with strength and strengthens her arms. I could say she lifts weights, but I think maybe it'd be going a little bit too far. But she strengthens her arms. She's not going around looking like, you know, the muscles down here. It's up here. Verse 18. She is diligent in her own personal sacrifice. She perceiveth that her merchandise is good. Her candle goeth not out by night. She's diligent to her own personal sacrifice. Um, number 10. She endeavors to be crafty and productive. She layeth her hands to the spindle and her hands upon the distaff. Verse 19. Uh, Number 11, she really cares for the poor, seeks to find them. I like that. She stretched out her hand to the poor. Yea, she reached forth her hands to the needy. Hospitable. Right? She's hospitable. She's looking for poor people. I can't tell you how many people testify to me their mother would go out and find people in need and help them. I'm going to tell you, there's no better to raise kids than to show them these things, not just talk about it. You know what the problem is with a lot of Christian homes? A lot of this is spoken about, but it's not practiced. She cares for the poor. She exercises forethought for coming crisis. She's not afraid of the snow of her household, for all her households is clothed with scarlet. She, she exercises forethought <clears throat> for coming crisis. Number 13, she cares about the way her family looks and how they dress. She makes herself coverings of tapestry. Her clothing is silk and purple. She cares about how her family looks and how she dresses. Number 14, she exalts her husband publicly. I'm going to stop here a little bit. She exalts her husband publicly due to her virtuous behavior. Her husband is known in the gates when he sitteth among the elders of the land. The fact of your virtuous behavior, other men look at that and say, man, what a woman, what a woman, and tells the guy, man, what a wife you got. Wow, she is all over it, man. Hey, wouldn't you like to hear it? Don't you like to hear that? I would like to, you're not married yet, but well, you know, we're going to hear that in the future. Hey, man. Got awful quiet. She, she runs a business that produces income for the family. She maketh fine linen and selleth it and delivereth girdles unto the merchants. She's, she's even into sales and retail, getting the word out. In other words, basically, she's out for it. She's trying to help. Strength and honor her clothing, and she shall rejoice the time to come. She reaps good things for herself, too. Because when you, ladies, when you help your husband, who are you really helping? Man, you help your husband, you're helping yourself. Ultimately, when you help others, you're helping yourself. You're encouraging yourself. You know what the problem is with bitterness? Bitterness won't let you help your mate. This can go man to woman, woman to man. Bitterness will destroy the desire to help the person you're bitter at. The person you're bitter at, you want them to die a slow, miserable death. Now, you may not say it that way. And you may not even admit you're bitter, but your actions can... Speak a lot louder than the words. You know, the old man drops his shirt in the hallway around and saying, you bum, pick that thing up. Go pick it up for the old boy. Well, he'll keep doing it. No, he won't. You keep picking it up. Eventually, he's going to feel bad about you picking it up all the time, and he's going to start picking his own shirt up. You want him without a word. That's what it means. You want him without a word. You just do the good thing and keep doing the good thing for him. And pretty soon they're like, oh, hon, how many times have I heard these old boys? And some of you have too. These old boys get up here. I remember 
I can't even remember all the names of them, but they are some of our old people that they're in heaven now, and, and they would get up here and tell all my, and as soon as they start talking about their wife, they start crying. Now, why is that when an old boy been married 45, 50 years, a woman, and I bet a lot of you would do the same thing tonight. If I ask you to get up here and start telling about your wife, you start crying because the gratitude would just start pouring out of your heart. The recognition of their, of their greatness and their virtuousness would just make you want to cry. Now, we're, we're tough old birds most time, and we don't want to cry. But I bet you if I got old Tough Gillespie up here, and he started talking about Jama, that boy would break down in tears before it was all over. Yeah, that's what it does. It'll soften a hard heart, man, it'll soften. She reaps good things for herself. She's kind in her speech, wise in her choice of words. Of course, you know the Bible, what it says about our tongue. You know, no man can really control the tongue 100% of the time, 100% of the No, I know that. Man, I know that. But to the degree that by the grace of God, it'll give you a grace in your speech. I've heard couples call each other names and, and, and refer to each other with derogatory names, demeaning names. <clears throat> I'll tell you, I've just decided I'm not going to do that. I get up in the morning, one of the first positive things I do in the morning is I'll say, sweet thing, and a few other things I say to my wife. I'll say, you know, I love you, or I really, and really, I'll be honest with you, I probably said it to her so much, I maybe lost its meaning. Uh, but it hasn't lost the meaning to me. And I want to say it. I want to be, be positive. I want to be like this. Uh, she, number 18, and I'm breaking all records of hermeneutica. I'm doing, no preacher has ever gone through 18 points this fast in the history of preaching. She's an energy giver and thorough. She looketh well to the ways of her household and eateth not the bread of idleness. Uh, that's verse 27. She's an energy giver and she's thorough. She looks well into the Word. In other words, her house, her household is her focus. She wants it to prosper. She wants it to do well. She's willing to overcome. She's willing to work hard. All these things put together. Ooh. She reaps praise from all sides, from all sides. Many daughters have done virtuously, but thou excelleth them all. She'll reap praise from I saw that with my grandma, and I've talked to you about my grandma-like tale over and over again. You notice I have not mentioned, through the years you guys have been with me so many years, through the years I've not mentioned my grandma Hartman. That's because she was not that way. You've never, in fact, right now, you probably did not know that that was my mother's mother, Grandma Hartman. I haven't said anything about her because she was not a virtuous woman. But grandma-like tale. Ooh, you've heard me talk about Grandma Lytell. She's about this tall. I remember seeing her. Here's my first impression of Grandma Lytell. Can you see over there? Here's my first impression of Grandma Lytell. That old woman cleaned her floor on her hard knees with a brush. But when you walked in that old girl's house, you could eat off the floor. Now, her house wasn't 600 square feet total. Raised eight kids. 
I hear young parents said, well, I need 1,500 square feet because we're going to have two different children. We had three boys raising 600 square feet, including the kitchen and everything. We didn't even know it was small until somebody told us it was small. Easy to clean. She reaps praise from all sides. I'll tell you what, ladies, you do the right thing by God, you won't have to worry about positive praise. It'll come your way. By the time Grandma Lytale got in her 70s, her eight kids said nothing but good about her. She got praise from her grandkids, her great-grandkids, all sides. She just got praised. She didn't want it. She was a humble old lady. She had come up hard and through the depression had all them children. She didn't want any of that praise. But brother, you can't stop God when he tells people to do it. And lastly, true worth are found in this woman. True worth are found in this woman. Favor is deceitful. Beauty is vain. I've had young girls in our school that are beautiful to look at. And I've called them in my office. And I've sat them down. And I've given them a little father-daughter talk, even though I didn't have a daughter. And I've said, the beauty that God has given you as a gift will simply be the worst enemy you ever got. Now, if I haven't talked to you, <laughs> I'm going to get in trouble. I might as well just get in trouble right up front. But I'm talking about, oh, this, is, this is a hole I don't know if I want to dig. But I'm talking about exceptional unusual beauty. We've had three or four of them come through the school. And I said, men, your beauty, if you believe it, are, it will be your downfall and your destruction because you'll use it to go places that you should not go, do things you shouldn't do because men are going to lay the red carpet in front of you, let you out in traffic, open the doors at the stores, because men are a bunch of dogs and sight-oriented. And they will just do all kinds of, and it's a lie, because it's not who you are. That's just skin deep. One little flash of fire, and you've changed completely. But you don't change character that way. You got a virtuous woman's character, you can have a flash fire and have your nose burn off, your ears burn off, and your lips burn off, and you're still a good woman. Because it wasn't based on the vanity of beauty. It was based on character. It was based on who you are. Oh, that's good. It says, favor is deceitful, beauty is vain, but a woman that feareth the Lord, she shall be praised. Give her the fruit of her hands and let her own works praise her in the gates, and they will. You know, this Proverbs 31 is possibly some of the best marriage counsel ever written. Ever written. True worth are found in this woman. Now, which woman are you? Which woman are you? Are you the, one, are you the wise woman that buildeth her house? Or are you the foolish woman that we mentioned two weeks ago that plucketh it down with her hands? Now, let me say this. If you're sitting there at night going, yeah, preacher, it's not me, it's him, you're a foolish woman. 
I think I said it last two weeks ago. I said it many times before. There's only one person in the world you can change. There's only one person. That's you. You can't change the other one. You're getting ready to fix to get married. Brother, don't blame her for anything. You can only change you. Don't blame him for anything. You can only change you. Change you and pray that maybe that changes him. If there's, I'm sure there's nothing about you that needs to be changed. But I, hey, we all got a lot of stuff, brother. <laughs> if I may add number 21, which I have not in my notes. Lighten up. Man, I wish people would lighten up a little bit. Laugh at each other. Have a little sense of humor. Don't take everything so life and death serious that you just are always going around like that. Laugh a little bit about stuff. Do something stupid. Well, I mean, you do. But when you do something stupid, rather than going crying in a corner, laugh about it a little bit and say, well, that was stupid. I did something stupid while we were gone. I'm going to tell you right now. You want to know? How many want to know what I did stupid? Raise your hand. You know, you know, I knew that was true. My brother, my brother Moon and I went to six or seven Waffle Houses, one of my favorite places to eat of all life. And so I we went to this one Waffle House, so Southern girls, you know, it's well, never mind on that. But anyway, I went to, went to a Waffle House, brother, and there was these old girls. And the old girl waiting on us, a heavyset girl. And she's a good waitress. Good waitress. Good, sharp waitress. Got all stuff done and everything. And uh, I, you'll know why I said that in a minute. And I went up to pay my bill. You know Waffle House, you, you pay your bill. And the, the cook uh, was a young girl with gorgeous blonde hair and riveting blue eyes. Just riveting blue eyes. I mean, I looked at her. Just you want to look at her. She's just gorgeous. She and real happy-go-lucky spirit. And she come up and real bombastically says, "Did you enjoy your food?" And I said, "No, it was horrible." But we keep coming back. I said, "You can't drive us out of here with cold or hot." We had cold coffee. One of them they poured the coffee, forgot to turn it on. It was ice cold. We said, "Just give us another cup. We'll stay." Well, the moon's on one time. He says, man, I wanted to leave. I said, no, we're not. We're enduring hardness, a good soldier, Jesus Christ. I was looking for some conversation after that wonderful statement I made. I looked at her and I said, well, how far along are you? She looked at me and she said, I'm not pregnant. And right in front of the whole restaurant, I said, well, there you go. Keep eating them biscuits and gravy. Uh, and Moon was laughing so hard. I, Brother Moon, by that time, he's over there just laughing, apologizing, laughing. Well, I'm apologizing, asking her to forgive me. You know, I've been around Heather so much, I just think everybody's pregnant now. Uh, you, you can go around and cry about that, but we, but we, I apologize, got right with them, left them a gospel track. <laughs> did not tell them I was a preacher, I did, I did not do that. I did not, brother, I thought maybe that might be a good thing to do. I was going to say I'm a leader of the Kingdom Hall, but I didn't. 
But you know, you're going to do stupid stuff. You can laugh about it and try not to do it again, or you can get over serious, go down to a depression spiral, hate yourself, and do all that other stuff. Or you can just say, I'm going to try to do better by the grace of God. Marriage is, man, I, we, my wife and I, sometimes we just laugh hysterically at the stupid stuff we do. The stupid stuff we do. Rather than saying, oh, man. Now, hey, I trust me on this. I've been bad. I haven't practiced what I'm telling you 100% of the time. I'd be good with 60%. I've had some bad times, but I'm growing. I'm growing. I'm getting to be a better husband every week. And Kathy said, she's a team player. Well, may God help us as the Bible. Let me tell you, you have trouble when you're married, the Bible's got the answer for you. This book's got the answer. There's nothing you can say or anticipate this book hadn't dealt with, will help you with, and make it happen. Let me tell you, the whole of our civilization is, is based on good marriages. I just read an article this week that they've come to the conclusion, like, duh, that a good, happily married couple works better. Like, man, how long did, how much study and money did you pour into that thing? A happily married couple just works better. No, so it was to employers. You, you've hired a lot of people. I mean, you say amen, amen, run around the room. You get a happily married couple, they go to work, they're just better in every way, every shape, every... So it's so important that our marriages are good. Let me tell you, a church is only as good as the marriages. The marriages have to be that which would be exemplary and that which your young people want to look up to and say, I want to be like those people. I, I, I see someone's... Trust me, they're looking. They're looking. And I believe we can show them that the Bible works, there is a God, and he can help you to be happily married all the way to the end, man. God will do it. Father, help us tonight. Give us wisdom from above to be able to discern these things as true. Oh, man, my prayer for some of these young people that are not married but would maybe possibly in the future get married, I pray for them that they would have the, have the wisdom from heaven upon them that they would be able to find and that you would bring to them mates that would be uh, uh, up spiral, that they would help each other and encourage each other. But no matter what happens, that they would be the kind of Christian that they should be because that's all that really they can do. And Father, help us. There be some in this room. Maybe you're struggling in your marriage right now. I believe God's the balm of Gilead. I think he can heal your marriage. I think if you don't give in to the flesh... The Holy Spirit of God will come, and he'll heal you. And he'll heal your, your you know, I talked two weeks ago about three or four examples of how the men have been unfaithful for so many years, and yet them women loved them and were virtuous to them, and eventually it broke them. They got saved. They ended well. They ended faithful. They had fidelity and, and, a, and a beautiful thing. Father, may it be so. May we just trust you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you can contact us at gospelbaptistchurch.com for our website. Or go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church, Bonita Springs, Florida. Or call the office at 239 
947-1285. Thank you. God bless.